tonight we are going to uh, look at uh, some, some, I probably want to uh, tie it with the series the pastor has been teaching us on uh, looking unto Jesus as, and in him. They have such a correlation, and the title of the message tonight is Maintaining the Focus. Uh, of course, uh, the pastor has been for the last many weeks teaching us, and the best scriptures that he's been using on this series is 2 Timothy 3.1, talking about perilous times, and expounding how inevitable they are. They are prophesied, they are with, with us, and uh, we have to deal with them. And the other scripture is Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. In the Passion Translation, I would like to read that scripture. It says, as for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race. We are in a race and it's a marathon. It's not slowly, slowly we are getting there. <laughs> it's a marathon. So we have to be geared up uh, so that we are able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination. For the path has been already marked before us. So we are not walking on strange land where God is not aware. The, he is the one who has marked the path for us. We look away from the natural realm and we focus our attention and expectation onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. So if you read that scripture in the New King James, it uh, clearly talks about looking unto Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. But I like also what the, how the, the, the Passion Translation talks about it, explaining that the path of victory has already been marked for us. But we must maintain focus in order to run the race to the finish line. Maradonas don't just run aimlessly. Every runner runs with a goal. And the goal is that we may reach, we may finish the race and not only finish the, the race, but finish the race unscathed and strong. Isn't it? It's one thing to finish the, the race limping, but it's another thing to finish the race strong and an overcomer. So tonight, I would like us to look at, there are so many key, key things that we can look at in uh, maintaining the focus, but for benefit of time, we are going to look at three things that I felt the Lord dropped in my heart as I was preparing for tonight. Uh, three key things that we must do to maintain focus. Number one is refuse to be discouraged. 
we are in a race. So you must refuse to be discouraged. Hebrews 6, 9, in the New King James Version says, but beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. So what we see here is Paul was talking to this church and he was telling them, but uh, salvation was only the beginning of the race. But there are many other things that are involved. Salvation comes as a package. It doesn't come, we are born again, that's the end. Otherwise, we would have been born again and zoomed, zapped, and we go to heaven. But that's not what happened. But there are so many other things that we call the promises of God that accompany salvation. 1 Corinthians 4.1 in the Amplified Classic. 1 Corinthians 4.1 in the Amplified Classic says, Therefore, since we do hold and engage in this ministry by the mercy of God, granting us favor, benefits, opportunities, and especially salvation, we do not get discouraged. And it explains discouragement as spiritless and despondent with fear. That's not us. Okay? Or become faint with weariness and exhaustion. Anybody who is running a race has the propensity to get weary and exhausted. But this is what Paul was talking to us as believers. He is saying, because we hold and engage in the ministry by the mercy of God, we've been granted favor, we've been granted benefits, there are opportunities offered, and of course salvation especially, then he says we do not get discouraged. Because discouragement will distract you from maintaining your focus. Okay? So in addition to salvation, God presents us a package that is loaded with so many added benefits and opportunities. However, because we are in this world, remember Jesus said that keep, do not remove them in the world, but keep them from the evil one. That means there is an evil one that is up at arms against us. The devil also presents opportunities in order to distract our focus from attaining the opportunities that God has offered us. So that's where the contention comes in. God has offered the package with, with salvation. But then we have an enemy that is relentless trying to distract us from attaining and reaching and appropriating what God has prepared for us. So discouragement is a manifestation of fear, and it mainly targets the mind. The only way you get discouraged is if you let go of your mind to the enemy. Remember that Ephesians 1 says that the seal of our salvation is the Holy Spirit within us. The devil cannot reach him. He is stamped with a seal. 
the spirit within us, the spirit of God, is not available for the devil to touch when he wants. That's why your spirit becomes the key thing. But so the devil will always try your mind because he knows he can't reach your spirit. So what can he work with? He, he would like to work with your mind. So you must guard your mind against thinking wrong. Always. If you don't want to be discouraged, guard your mind against thinking wrong. How do we do this? Develop the skill of casting down wrong thoughts immediately. As soon as you hear them from the enemy, as soon as he whispers, cast that thought down. Cast that thought down. Practice making your spirit the boss of your mind. So the enemy will suggest this in the mind, but because you know you are the real you is a spirit, then you draw from your spirit and you answer back the enemy. So you speak to your mind. So people who don't talk to themselves, I wonder how do they communicate <laughs> with themselves? Because you have to speak to yourself, to your mind. Because if you don't speak to your mind, what the enemy says will occupy space. And what Jesus tells us, occupy till I return. Occupation is not only in building the kingdom. It is ensuring this life stays not discouraged at all times. And that my mind is conformed to the word of God. Okay? So you develop the skill of casting down wrong thoughts. You practice making your spirit the boss of your mind. Why should we do that? Because a freelance mind will ruin your life. That is guarantee. You let your mind keep going, making trips wherever it want to go. You will reach a point you don't know which trail did you go and how do I go back to the, to the, the beginning point. If you went to a, a, a strange uh, or rather a, a city that you have been, for example, if you went to London and you were dropped maybe somewhere Buckingham Palace and you are told find your way to East London, there are so many buses you can take. There are so many underground trains you can take. There are so many trams, the, the ones that run on top or, or on the ground. I mean, there are so many modes of transport that if you do not have a map, they, they have what they call A to Z. So if you're, if you're a visitor there, please buy your A to Z because it will, it will be your salvation. But the good thing is that it is so well explaining so you are able to find your way. So that means that if you just think, I think this road is the one that's going there, or I think this is the one that is going there, you find yourself rotating around one place and you never go where you're going. That's why I mean you cannot let your mind run like a freelancer. It will not take you to the destination that you're aiming, focusing, looking unto Jesus. Let's go to Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 6. I need to open that one. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 6. We are, we are reading in the Passion Translation. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 6 says, we are talking about 
taking captive of our mind. This is what the scripture says. Hmm. For although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. There are people hiding with strategies and plans and ideas to demolish and to destroy you from getting where you're going. They are there. You may not know them, but they are in the kingdom, they are the kingdom that we don't, we don't belong to. So, so you must be intentional. For, uh, uh, sorry, let me move on. Uh -huh. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy. They come in forms of fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude. They come in form of attitudes, okay, that is raised up in defiance to the true knowledge of God. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Who is going to insist? Is it the Holy Spirit? Is it God the Father? Is it Jesus? It's not even your neighbor. It's your responsibility to cast down the thoughts that the enemy will send to you in an effort to cause fear and bring discouragement for on running the race. So you are the one to do it. Since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion as soon as you choose complete obedience. So what is the key thing here? It's obedience. Obedience to the word. It's not just I speak the word to my thoughts, but I am careful to obey what the word says so that when I speak that word, it carries the dynamite power that will bring down the thought that the enemy wanted to plant to cause me to walk in this discouragement. Amen. So obedience, then I can say, keeps you in front of the race. Because what is the enemy trying to do? He's trying to distract you from running the marathon. If there is a trail there, here, of a marathon runner, and this is supposed to be clear, but as soon as they start, one of the sisters uh, uh, throw uh, maybe uh, a drum. You understand? That marathoner is not now just having to run the race. They are having to maneuver and to navigate the drum. Will that cost them time? It will cost them time and delay. You understand? So obedience keeps you in front of the race. Why? How? What is the in front of the race? You know the scripture in um, is Deuteronomy 28 that we like uh, quoting a lot in our prayers. I'm above and not beneath. I'm the head and no, I'm not the tail. You understand? It carries so much more rather than just the statement. It carries a lot of obedience. Only the obedient get in front of the race. So when you say I'm above and not beneath, kindly check your obedience level to the word. Because it, it is, 
playing a key role in how uh, uh, far or how ahead you are in the race. So number one is refuse to be discouraged. Number two, be constant in faith. My brethren, constancy. Have you ever seen the, the marathon races, the international ones? Thousands of people start that race. <laughs> Thousands. Very few finish the race. <laughs> because as they run, the race gets harder and harder and harder, harder, and it depends on how trained you are. You hear pastor every time he's talking about they are going to the mountain, and I am always saying, not more. Because not more is not training for climbing the mountain. <laughs> more, I won't go to the mountain. <laughs> so, if, you, if, I, if, if we were forced to go and start somewhere, then I will remain there. Or probably I will walk a few kilometers, and then I'm looking for the five-star hotel that is around there. So I keep telling them, if you want me to accompany you, make sure there is a five-star hotel at the bottom of the mountain. That's the only mountain I climb. I'm not <laughs> so, so, but how do they make it to the mountains? They are constant in practice and preparation. So number two is be constant in faith. This is what Philippians 1.28 says in the Amplified Classic. It says, and do not for a moment be frightened or intimidated in anything by your opponents and adversaries. For such constancy and fearlessness will be a clear sign, a proof and a seal to them of their impending destruction but a sure token and evidence of your deliverance and salvation, and that from God. Do you see how you're winning? Do you see yourself winning here? It says, don't be frightened for a moment by any challenge that the enemy throws at you. Don't even be intimidated. For such constancy and fearlessness, your constancy in opposing the enemy with your faith, the, 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 the life of faith, will be assigned to them that you already know you're winning. And it will remind them that actually what is awaiting them is doom. And you know what happens? They realize this one is not easy to go. So they shift from the, the, uh, uh, the plan that they had for you. So I will say then, constancy of faith will cushion you from dropping into the fear zone. Because remember, the enemy, the only thing the enemy makes the enemy win is if you get into fear. But if you're constant in faith, you will never drop into the fear zone. So you will be telling him, bring it on. I already am armed with the weapon of the word of God and the prayers of faith and the life of worship and praise. And I am not intimidated by what you will throw at me. Why? Because I know I am constant in building my faith. Okay? So respond to thoughts that land on your mind with the word and do so constantly. Not once in a while. It's constantly. How do we gain ground? 
by doing it over and over and over. Remember Joshua 1.8, and Pastor spoke a lot about it and taught us on it about, about meditation. Meditation, meditation, meditation occupies a lot of, of, of your mind with the word of God. So that it's so easy to pull down whatever weapon you need to use at whatever time the enemy is attacking you. So speak to your situations constantly if you want to be a winner. And if you want to stay focused, speak constantly. Don't just wait. It's not wrong to ask somebody to agree with you but don't just wait for somebody to agree with you you start laboring and then we join our faith with yours okay yes amen listen to this why do i say you keep speaking to yourself and speak to your situations let's look at one of my favorite scriptures in the bible isaiah 65 16. i love this scripture i like it as all scriptures but i I refer to this scripture very much, maybe because I live alone, so I speak to myself. So I don't have, a, I don't have moments of wondering who shall I agree with here. Isaiah 65, 16 in the Amplified Classic says, so it shall be that he who invokes a blessing on himself. Who is blessing you? It's yourself, people. This is how powerful we are. We can't just be saying, I'm waiting for an appointment and that appointment will take a month. You understand? You are a carrier of the gospel. You are a carrier of the dynamite word of God within you. So it says that whoever, who, who, he who invokes a blessing on himself in the land shall do so by saying, not by making phone calls, it's by saying, you understand? You may, you may want to call somebody and you, and you are, uh, they are Muteja or you are Fuliza, whichever it is. You understand? So you have to be equipped for every season. This is what you say. May the God of truth and fidelity, the Amen, bless me. It's not selfish to pray and bless yourself. It's scriptural. Bless me. And he who takes an oath in the land shall swear by the God of truth and faithfulness to his promises, the amen. Because the former troubles are forgotten and because they are hidden from my eyes. Do you want to maintain your constancy of faith? Shift from what you didn't do correct yesterday. There was a song that used to, say, to, to be sung. I don't know whether it was Christian. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow is not mine. So I'm going to enjoy today and have my party today. Yeah, this is uh, this today. I'm telling you. The former troubles are forgotten. Don't keep reminding people of what they did yesterday. What, what do you think the, the Bible says that the masses of God are new every morning? It's for all of you who made mistakes yesterday. Me included. Okay. But that God is not looking at that. He is saying it's a forgotten deal. So we are looking to the future, beholding the word of God. And we have been get, given permission to invoke our blessings on ourselves. That's constancy of faith. Blessing yourself with the word of God. Okay? Look at 2 Corinthians here. 2 Corinthians 
1 to 10. I, I want to read the message version because I think it, brought, it, it brings out, it out so well. This is what the message says. Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. I mean, those are two powerful. God is the source. Jesus is the, is the stamp. Can it fail? It cannot fail. Then it says, in him, this is what we preach and pray. The great amen. God's yes and our yes. Do you see the two parts? God says yes, and we follow it with our yes. God's yes and our yes together, gloriously evident. That means when we are agreeing with God, we, all we experience is the glory of the manifestation of his promises. Why? Because we are not in doubt. And our faith, remember, grace, uh, 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 faith reaches out to what grace has provided. So God has provided grace and our faith uh, reaches out to appropriate it in our lives. Then we can enjoy the manifestation. Because we are in him, our role is to constantly echo what Jesus says, always. That's why we are looking onto Jesus. Our role is to only echo what Jesus says and to ignore what the devil is presenting. There are two forces at play. Jesus already has told us what to, to do. The devil is trying to distract us. So how do we... Uh, 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 keep our focus looking onto Jesus. We are only hearing his word and we are only speaking his word. And, and then we have to stand fearless in the wake of opposition because standing fearless results in deliverance. I don't know why sometimes people act fearful, unsure, uncertain. It's like they are not sure about the word works. Yet the Bible calls us the army of the Lord. I don't know which country sends a fearful people to war. I don't, I don't know. I, I've never been to an army recruitment drive. But I think one of the things they ought to look for if they don't is courage. Because who is sending people to fight Al-Shabaab. I mean, those guys don't even care about their own lives. So can you imagine the opposition, that they, how the opposition ought to appear before them? So we have to have courage. We have to stand fearless in the wake of opposition. That's how you build, you, you, you maintain your constancy of faith. So constant, I, this is my interpretation, constant problems can be attributed to lack of participation in the process of faith because the process of faith never fails so if we find ourselves in constant problems then the question is are we maintaining our constancy of faith faith where is faith we are well taught is in your heart and and in your mouth Faith is in your heart and in your mouth. So in, it's in your heart because you've been, be, be, been uh, 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 receiving it to deposit it in your heart. But then it's in your mouth because you know when to draw it out. You can keep 
giving, giving, giving to your heart. But if you're not practicing the speaking of it, how do we practice faith? We are making confessions and we are making prayers of faith. That's why prayer is a key weapon to defeat the kingdom of darkness. It builds your faith, especially prayers of the spirit. That's what Jude will say. He says, beloved, build yourself up by praying in the Holy Spirit. So as you build yourself up, you become so armed that you don't care who is coming, you don't care who is ruling, you don't care whether the, the negotiations work, you don't care whether the, the discussions that are happening are going to work. Not, I mean that not in a careless way, but it's not a, a fear in your heart. Why? Because you believe that God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So whatever the outcome of the nations is, you're in a good place. Why? Because your hope and trust is only in the Lord. It's not in a political system. Uh, and, and therefore, I, I, I say that uh, uh, this, this could be just me alone, but I think that's what, even me, when I see there is a constant thing that I can't seem to get rid of, of I, 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 I ask myself, are you building your faith in that area? Because you can build your faith in only one area and you neglect that area. That's why constancy of faith has to be holistic. So you, when you identify the area where the enemy is trying to come in, then focus on building that so that you, you can bring it to the level where you are able to, uh, 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 to push back the enemy. So number three, number one was refuse to be discouraged. Number two, be constant in faith. Number three, keep your heart close to God. The only way to win this battle is when your heart is so close to God. This is what James 4, 8 says. James 4, 8 in the uh, Passion Translation says, Move your heart closer and closer to God, and he will come even closer to you. But make sure you cleanse your life, you sinners. It's the Bible I'm reading. It's not you I'm addressing. But make sure you cleanse your life, you sinners, and keep your heart pure and stop doubting. Move your heart closer to God. The Bible says those who worship him ought to be holy because he is holy. So for our hearts to get closer to God, we must be cognizant of the life that we are living. We are not living a compromising life and we are saying, just to be close to you. And in the morning, you know what happened. <laughs> and at noontime, you know what happened. You understand? So we must make sure that we are not doubting God. So then when I read the scripture, move your heart closer and closer to God, this is how I, uh, I, I, the Holy Spirit helps me to interpret it, that we are responsible for determining how close we get to God. It's not God who determines. It's not Pastor Davis who determines. He does his part. He is feeding you, feeding you, feeding you, 
But now, who determines how close you get to God? It's you. It's yourself. How you get closer to God. Anytime we doubt God's word, we move away from the proximity of his presence. That's why he says, uh, keep your heart pure and stop doubting. Why? Doubt is a mistrust. You can't get close to somebody who you don't trust. You know how marriages fail? Mistrust. <laughs> Always, it's mistrust. <laughs> Ask those of us who went through, it's mistrust. Mistrust. So move your heart closer to God. Psalms 145 verse 18 says, I'm not sure which version is this, but I think they all probably will have a relevance. It says, you draw near to those, you draw near to those who call out to you, listening closely, especially when their hearts are true. It's probably the Passion Translation. It says, you draw near to those who call out to you. Those who don't, don't call out to him. Do they draw, do, does God draw closer to them? No, because God is a gentleman. He does not impose himself on any human being. If not so, everybody will be born again. I keep telling people, you know, and, and you know, we, 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 we believe God to keep helping, to keep uh, prodding people, to keep encouraging people, to keep, you know, until, until the final day, you keep doing that. But you know, if somebody chooses, I don't want this thing. It doesn't matter how many hours you spend with them. And sometimes I say, you know, even God will send people to hell, not because he does not love them, but because he will not impose himself on anybody. So for us, our hearts to get closer to God, the honors is on us to, to draw, to call on him, to do to be obeyers of, of the word so that we are doing what it takes to get closer to him. So he says, you draw near to those who call out to you, listening closely, especially when their hearts are true. What is true? It's authentic. It's genuine, a genuine relationship with God. It's not hypocritical uh, uh, Christianity. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's, Christianity should not be an act. It shouldn't. It's Christianity is, is authentic. So that's the, the only way we get closer to God. Why? Because he can read our hearts even before we come close to him. So he knows which heart he will draw close to. <laughs> so we don't have to act because he already knows. That's why he will say, even though your sins be as red as crimson, come to me. I will cleanse you. But we have to be honest about it. I, 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 I speak up, I, I talk up to Pastor about uh, uh, one of my kids at the children's home, and I tell Pastor, you know, she's not an angel, this girl, but this girl tells the truth every time, even when she's wrong. How easy is it to work with somebody like that? Because you know you can steer her. Why? Because she's authentic. And it's, I, I mean, that's such a, a trait to me, somebody who is authentic. That's what God wants, hearts that are authentic before him. L listen to uh, Second Chronicles. Uh, you can go there, people, Second Chronicles 15, 2. 
But I will, I will only read verse B, uh, the B part. I, I would read the whole scripture, or maybe I can read the whole scripture if you have it there. Or you don't know the version. Whichever version is, is the word. So you forgive me. You know, I'm an amateur in this. Sometimes I forget to take the Bible <laughs> reference that I took. So, But I'm perfecting it. I'm, I'm constantly getting there. So Second Chronicles 15.2. You got it? Okay, let me get it. Second Chronicles. It's certainly the New King James because not in TPT. Second Chronicles. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's it. It says, let me just read from the beginning. It says, And he went out to meet Esa and said to him, Hear me, Esa, and all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while you are with him. He is with you while you are with him. You know, the thing I'm, I'm learning in, in these scriptures is that God is a constant. He's not changing. Who is changing? It's us. That's why he is saying, at the position where I stand is where, still where I stand. So it's you to come closer. So the Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, inquiring for and of him, Craving him as your soul's first necessity, he will be found by you. But if you become indifferent and forsake him, he will forsake you. It's not that he forsook you, but you shifted yourself. You retrogressed from where you were communing. That's why he say, come closer and I will draw near to you. But if you don't come closer, then it means that you will have forsaken him, not him forsaking you. Okay? And if you go down to verse 7 of, 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 of that scripture, it says, verse 7, But you, be strong and do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. So this is the constancy of faith that we are talking about. Don't allow yourself to, be, to weaken. Because if you weaken, then you will, you, will, you will find that you will become weak. When you weaken, then you have no reward because you will have drawn away from him. So do not, then I will say that do not relent in developing your spiritual skills. Don't relent in developing your spiritual skills because nobody develops by default. Children don't grow by default. You have to be intentional to raise a child. If you let children grow by default, you feed them, but you leave them, they will grow up, they will be mannerless, they will be rude, they will be whatever. You understand? So you have to be very intentional about developing the skills of a child. Nobody becomes successful in school just because they went to class or they appeared at the school gate. 
they have to be intentional to develop. Nobody uh, 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 gets uh, uh, grows their career just because they were hired and they got a letter of appointment. A letter of appointment is an entry point. There is a law that is to be done to develop the career of the individual. And it is the individual's responsibility to build their career. Unless you are working in an organization where it just thinks you are three years old here, we promote you. I've never known such an organization. Maybe they are there. But the organizations I work with, there is the key thing that they will talk to you about at the beginning of the year. Let me see the goals for your personal development. Because your, 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 your employer is requiring as much as they can draw from you. But it will depend on how you are working at your personal development. It's the same principle in our Christianity. We have to be intentional to develop our spiritual life. There are spiritual skills that you cannot ignore and negate and expect that you will come out a very strong Christian. You we can be a Christian, but there are levels of strength and knowledge and understanding, isn't it? So development requires keen attention. Keen attention. So that's what we are doing in drawing close to God. Focusing on the word and prayers of faith makes uh, 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 develops your wisdom. And the Bible says wisdom I think it's a Proverbs 4, Proverbs 4, 7 says, wisdom is a principal thing. So we need wisdom. As we are developing our spiritual, spiritual skills, what are we becoming? Wise people. We are wise people. We know what to do, when we need to do, and the how we need to do it. Go with me to Colossians 2, 6. Colossians 2, verse 6 in the Amplified Classic says, I'm going to rush a little because I can see time is against me. It says, As you have therefore received Christ, even Jesus the Lord, so walk, regulate your lives, and conduct yourselves in union with and conformity to him. Have the roots of your being firmly and deeply planted in him, fixed and founded in him being continually built up in him, becoming increasingly more confirmed and established in faith, just as you are taught and abounding and overflowing in it with thanksgiving. So many powerful words. Whose responsibility is it? It's our responsibility. So you are the one to make your roots go deep. You're the ones to constantly build up yourself and you become increasingly more confirmed and established. The Holy Spirit is our aid. That's what the Bible says. He is not the doer. He is our aid. So he has to see the desire. And when he is able to identify the desire, he is able to steer you and to add on the fuel to take you to where the Lord has already planned for you. But if you're staying in the peripheral, how will he push you? You see, he's not a pusher. He's an aid. An aid. He's not the doer. He's an aid. So there has to be, I have to show the desire and the commitment. I have the ownership 
for the development of my life, but because I know I produce what I can, and then he produce all that I can't. So we are partnering together to build this life, to, to stay focused on, the, or, or, on looking unto Jesus. So we stay put and we build on our relationship with God. We, we are not yo-yo Christians, my brethren. Let's refuse to be yo-yo Christians. James 1, 8 says, he, he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Yo-yo Christians are double-minded people. Today I'll obey, tomorrow I'll not obey. I will give the tithe. I will, no, I'll give the offering. I don't, I don't believe in the tithe. I will, what is that? It's either you're believing or you're not. Because uh, James also says, whoever knows to do right and does not do it, to them it is a sin. So we are not your, your Christians. We are totally sold into the process of the life of the Spirit. Okay? This is what Miss Gloria Copeland say, said. Inconsistency lies the victory. Inconsistency is where victory is. It is not in technical appearance. Today I'm in, tomorrow I'm there. Today I'm serving, the next 10 months I'm not serving. Today I'm serving because I didn't have, I was very free. <laughs> that, that is your consistency. Serving is a sacrifice, a cause for dedication, commitment, and sacrifice. Remember what uh, Gideon said say to Aruna? He said, I will not give to my God anything. That, was it Gideon or David? I will not give to my God anything that does not cost me nothing. God is not looking for hearts that are not sacrificial to him. No, we cannot be your Christians, so we have to be, be, be consistent. I'm winding down, almost there. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 in the Passion Translation. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, the part B of it says, we know that we prosper and excel in every season by serving the Lord. Because we are assured that our union with the Lord makes our labor productive with fruit that endures. What makes us effective and fruitful? It's our union with the Lord. It's not just us. Just us, left just us. It can be something else. But our union with the Lord, this is what it says. We prosper and excel in every season by serving the Lord. That means we are totally sold and committed because we are assured that our union with the Lord makes our labor productive with fruit that endures. We are not talking about short-term benefits. We are talking about eternal benefits. The fruit of our spiritual skill development, it will not only be known today. It's a legacy and posterity that comes to other generations. And we will find it in heaven. I know we will find it in heaven. We, it will be in heaven. Because it's an eternal process. So then... We must purpose to keep our hearts united with God and we will experience productivity in our lives holistically. Whichever area God 
uh, anchors as in. We will be productive. So we maintain our focus looking unto Jesus because we know that he's the only one with the solutions for our lives. There are no other, there's no other place where, there's no other source for the solutions of life. It's only from him. My final scripture is Psalms 9.11. Psalms 9.11 in the Passion Translation says, so when we were, all these scriptures we were reading here, talking about keeping our heart close to God, what, what is the outcome of it? I said it's we become wise people. And look at what this scripture talks about wise people. It says wisdom will extend your life, making every year more fruitful than the one before. That's what wisdom will do. This, all this that we, we, are, we are doing to get closer to God, it is not a futile exercise. There is a lot of good that is coming from it. It says that it will extend our lives. It will extend our families. It will cushion. It will cover. It will preserve. It will anchor us. It will prepare us. It will thrust us. It will catapult us to the fullness of that which God has laid down for us. It is for our benefit. So there is, I will say then, there is no retrogression for the lovers of God. They only keep moving forward. They don't backtrack. We have the wisdom. Why are we not retrogressing? Because we have the wisdom on how to navigate the challenges that come our way and come out victorious and unscathed. Don't be intimidated by time. Don't be intimidated by distance. Don't be intimidated by years. Don't be intimidated by others. You're not called to run the race competing with others. Your race is marked for you. That's why the Bible says that we move from one level of glory to the next. But then it depends on how committed and how uh, what would I say, passionate we are about looking unto Jesus, maintaining our focus. So I gave you the three uh, some of the things we, well, key things we do, but of course it's not exhaustive. For sake of time, we are going to pray, and I would like us to pray with Ephesians 1, uh, 17 to 21. If you can open that for us, we can leave it there as we pray. Mm, just believing God to, to keep unfolding His graces, his knowledge, his wisdom, his purposes, revelation. This is what revelation is. Uh, 15, let's start from 15. I think so that we don't start in the middle of a census. This is what Ephesians 1 uh, 15 is a scripture that pastor has taught us over and over to pray about because it contains so much. It's we are seeking, we are seeking the life that is victorious and we are seeking to stay focused on the, on the race and, and to win this race, not just to stay focused. You know, you can stay focused from here. The race is there and you're just saying, I am getting there, but you're not getting there because you're not making movement and step. This is this prayer 
is what is, is Paul was praying and, be, and, and, and praying for this Ephesians church that they may start to understand and that they may start to comprehend and to grasp and to receive the revelation to know who they are and the power that is within them that they can become effective and fruitful in building the kingdom of God. And I know we are like in that kind of an era. Perilous times are with us, but then it means that we need the revelation of the power that is within us, the victory of the cross that is available for us so that we are not fearful, we are not discouraged, we are not careless, we are not doubting, and we are not ignorant. So we know what is it that we are called into. It's powerful, it's available, but it comes at a commitment. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Jesus fills us. Us. That's what the scripture, he fills, I like it in the Amplified Version, the way it says. Let me just read the last scripture in the Amplified Classic. It says, which is his body, that's us, the fullness of him who fills all in all. For in that body, in us, lives the full measure of him who makes everything complete. Is there anything incomplete in you? Yeah, that's it. We have it. We just need to see, to see it and to touch it and to understand it. Complete and who fills everything everywhere with himself. Stand up, we pray, please. We are power-packed. We are going to pray in tongues a couple of minutes, just believing for revelation, really, uh, on how to stay focused and to receive the wisdom of God. And then I'll ask you, Joshua, to come and wrap up the prayer and uh, believe that God has, uh, has, has equipped us tonight. Father, tonight we thank you. We come into your th throne room as your word says that we come boldly to find gr uh, uh, mercy and grace when we need it, oh God. In these perilous times, you have reminded us that we will have to make 
determined decisions, intentionally committed and passionate about staying the course looking unto Jesus. So tonight, Lord, as we pray in the language of the Holy Spirit, we make utterances of faith. We make utterances that are pure. We make utterances that are uh, of, of, of utmost, uh, the highest and the best, O oh God, available for us to connect with the victory that you've already acquired for us. Let's just pray in tongues tonight. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you this evening for the opportunity that you've given us to gather in your house. We do not take it for granted. We thank you for the honor and privilege that you've given unto us. The Lord, even we can fellowship around your word. And we thank you for enlightening us in your word. Thank you for the honor and privilege that you have given unto us, that, Lord, we can commune with you in prayer. The Lord, we can raise our worship to you, and that you hear and you answer. The Lord, we can raise our petitions to you, and that, Lord, you hear our prayers and you answer. We give you praise and we give you glory. We thank you, for we have come unto Mount Zion, the city of the living God. We have come to an innumerable company of angels. We have come to the heavenly Jerusalem. We have come to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. We have come to God, the judge of all men, and to the spirit of just men made perfect. We have come to Jesus Christ, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. And I thank you tonight because the blood of Jesus Christ our Lord is speaking better things for us than the blood of Abel. It is speaking healing to those who are sick, it is speaking encouragement to those who are discouraged. It is speaking deliverance to whatever kind of bondage. It is speaking freedom and peace to whatever situation we find ourselves in tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, you have told us in your word in the book of Hebrews 4, from verses 14 downwards, that we are not without help. But we have a high priest. We have a high priest on our side. And we have a high priest that is, that is not local, but a high priest that is passed through the heavens. He's passed through the heavens. The first heaven that we see with our normal eyes. The second heaven, which is the domain of wickedness and rulers of darkness in high places. And into the throne room of God. And is seated to ever make intercession for us. And we have a high priest that is touched by the feeling of our infirmities. And we have a high priest 
that forever is making intercession for us. I thank you for each and everyone that is gathered here tonight. And even for those that will watch. That Lord, whatever area of need we find ourselves in. Whatever area of infirmity we find ourselves in. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our High Priest. We ask you to come through for us. Tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that there is no throne. There is no power. There is no principality. There is no dominion. In heaven, on earth and under the earth. That is greater than the name of Jesus Christ. And so Lord we pray that whatever has troubled your people. Whatever the, your people are dealing with. The Bible says... Everything lies bare and naked before you. There is nothing that is hidden. And so tonight our lives are bare and naked before you. And you know the areas of our struggle. And you know the areas of our pain. And you know the areas of our desire. And you know the areas of our needs. I pray in the name of Jesus. In unison together with the brethren in joint faith we pray that Lord you meet each and every one of us at our point of needs tonight in the name of Jesus Christ the Bible says for every knee shall bow every knee shall bow of things that are in heaven of things that are on earth and of things that are under the earth and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We declare tonight in the name of Jesus, whatever has troubled your people, we command it to bow tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. We command it to bow tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. Whatever area of pain, whatever area of struggle, Whatever has caused us to lack peace, wherever we need your intervention, we pray tonight as we congregate in your house that, Lord, our needs are met, that our desire is taken care of, that you meet us at our point of needs to the glory and to the honor of your holy name. And we proclaim that you are Lord of our lives. We proclaim that you are Lord of our families. We proclaim that you are Lord of our children. We proclaim that you are Lord of our leaders. We proclaim that you are Lord of our pastors. We proclaim that you are Lord over everything that we do. In the name of Jesus Christ. We worship you and we give you praise. And we thank you for your enlightenment. And we continue to pray as we have been taught. That Lord, that 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 the, the Jesus, the, the, the Father, that, that the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ may continue to give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, that our eyes being enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of His calling, and what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is His exceeding power toward us who believe that he wrote in Christ Jesus when he raised him up from the dead 
and assert him at his right hand, far above principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in high places, and has given him a name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus Christ, and has put all things under his feet, he that filleth all in all. Oh, for there is no throne that is greater than the name of Jesus. There is no authority that is greater than the name of Jesus. There is no power that is greater than the name of Jesus. There is no dominion in heaven or earth, under the earth, visible, invisible, that is greater than the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, and we give you praise and we give you glory. Your word says your name is a strong tower, and the righteous run unto it, and they are safe. We run unto the name of Jesus. We run unto the name of Jesus. We, we, are, we run unto the name of Jesus. And I decree that we are safe. We are safe from wickedness. We are safe from lack. We are safe from poverty and defeat. In the name of Jesus, we congregate here in faith and we leave your house victorious. We are blessed. We are energized. We are healed. In the name of Jesus, whatever area of need is met, in the name of Jesus, we go forth to declare your goodness and to testify of your great doings over our lives tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. 2 Corinthians 3.16 says, Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Lord, your sovereign spirit dwells in us. We decree liberty within us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we command every fatigue to be lifted. Every, every exhaustion to leave. Every, every discomfort to leave. Every heaviness be lifted. In the name of Jesus Christ, we declare that our spirits are in submission to the Spirit of God and is in tune with the Spirit of God. We declare that our mind, will, and emotions are, are in tune with the Spirit of the living God. We decree that our physical bodies are healthy and full of the health of God. We decree our bones, our joints, our ligaments upon every cell and upon every tissue upon every system in our being, upon our digestive system, our nervous system, our respiratory system, whatever system in our being, from the crown of our heads to the soles of our feet, upon every cell and upon every tissue, we decree life in the name of Jesus. 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 We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. For you have clothed us with the robes of righteousness. And you have covered us with garments of salvation. We go forth protected. We go forth led by the Spirit of God. The Bible says as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. We are led by the Spirit of God. The spirit of the sovereign Lord dwells within us. 
we are sealed with the spirit of the living God. As, as Miss Ruth has shared, the deposit, the assurance of our redemption is the seal of the Holy Ghost that is upon us. Is the seal of the spirit of God that dwells us. The spirit of the sovereign Lord indwells us tonight. The spirit of the sovereign Lord indwells us and he dwells in us. He, is, he has sealed us. He is our assurance. He is the deposit of our redemption. Precious Holy Spirit, lead us and guide us in the way that we should go. The Bible says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that indwells us. Shall he not quicken our mortal bodies? We decree a quickening tonight. We are quickened. We are healed. We are delivered. We are led by the Spirit of God. We are guided by the Spirit of God. Our minds are sound. Our IQs are raised. We fulfill our purposes. We fulfill purpose. We fulfill purpose. We fulfill purpose. We fulfill purpose. We fulfill purpose in the name of Jesus Christ. I give you praise and I give you glory. I thank you for what you have. We thank you, Lord, for what you have accomplished in our meetings tonight. It shall be for a sign and a testimony. Oh, our lives will never be the same again. From tonight, our lives will never be the same again. Because you have launched us onto a new path. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, we do pray and believe. In Jesus' name, I do pray and believe. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're free. Are you free? Hallelujah. Thank you, Joshua. That was great, great declarations of faith. I know you have received them. You can only build on that. Okay, you can only build on that. Then you keep rising and rising. The Bible says like an edifice until you become a huge tree of faith that nothing can shake you. Amen.